Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, we are uh, recording this the morning after the All-Star game. The Mets' first half is obviously wrapped up. They ended the first half with 58 wins, the second-best record in the National League, the fourth-best record in baseball. They are firmly in first place. They took three of four from the Marlins over the weekend, took two of three from the Braves before then. It seems like the Mets ended the first half. You know, I mean, obviously, a sweep would have been nice, right? But they ended the first half strongly. And the second half schedule, as we've talked about before, is not super strong. You know, there are a couple of Yankees series and things like that. But it seems like the Mets are, are in a pretty good position. And so now that the first half is in the rear view, you know, we've talked a lot about just generally not panicking too much about Mets-related stuff. And I feel like that's our general feeling right now but is there anything different for you going into the second half than you felt you know a week two weeks ago no no not really obviously a sweep of the cubs would have been preferable especially since i said marlins i meant cubs sorry (laughs) that's okay we're recording in the morning we are yes that's true um but it would have been preferable especially since they had a lead albeit a, a relatively Thin lead uh, at one run in two different points of the game in the series finale on Sunday. But they took three out of four. I have no complaints that they won two kind of uh, 
random, odd, stupid, extra inning rule games um, on Saturday in, in that doubleheader. Uh, whatever. They won. They won the games. That's all that I care about. They won three out of four. Um, and they finished that stretch, that 10-game stretch, uh, playing relatively well. I mean, the biggest thing was just that, and, and we already talked about it last week, but taking two or three from the Braves, <clears throat> putting a little more distance there instead of you know, you know giving up first place in, in the series in Atlanta. Um, they're, they're in a good spot. Uh, there's really no other way to put it. And uh, I think they've shown, aside from the four games against the Astros, they've shown they can hang with the other good teams in baseball. Their, their West Coast trip back in June that everybody was dreading went fairly well. Uh, and, and that makes the start of the second half, I don't know, exciting to me. They're, they're playing a good team in the Padres and then obviously a very good team in the Yankees. But, hey, bring it on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Padres are are certainly a good team, but I don't think the Padres are scary the way the Astros were scary, um, at least not for me. But, yeah, I, I think everything you said is pretty much spot on. You know, look, they are doing well against, you know, they have a five, they have a, a 28 and 22 record of teams over 500. They are playing well, both on the road and at home. They have a strong run differential, you know, th- they've won six of their last 10 and that includes, you know, games against the Braves. So it just seems to me like most of the things you look for, like when I, when I'm looking at a team, I'm trying to see what the sort of trends are. I look at their record above 500 teams. I look at the last, you know, 10 or 20 games. I look at run differential. All those things are, are relatively predictive of how a team is is looking going forward. And again, the Braves are, before the break, the Braves were playing like, you know, unbelievable baseball. Just baseball that is, I mean, uh, until they ran into the Mets, I guess, they were playing baseball that just seemed like it was, there was, they were on an almost historic streak. They're not going to play that way forever. And you know, if they can take a couple of uh, a couple of games from the Padres, if they can split against the Yankees, or you, look, even if they get swept by the Yankees, it's not the end of the world. Um, but that's surrounded by a couple of off days, and then they go play the Marlins, and after that, the Nationals, and you know, then things lighten up just a little bit. So, but you, but you know, we are entering that that period in August where there are. Uh, two series with the Braves in relatively short succession, one of them being a four-game series. Sorry, two four-game series with the Braves, correct? No, a five-game and a four-game. Yeah, My yeah, goodness, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a little scary. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I'll say about that, though, is that those series are just really hard for either team to sweep. Sure, uh, yes. And I don't know. Obviously, that's the biggest opportunity for things to change between them in the division, but if they come close to splitting those series in either way, right. Uh, then the Mets are still in front of the Braves. So it's it, obviously in that five game series to start or not start August, but the first weekend of August, um, you don't want to go one and four, but right. if you go two and three or three and two, that's really not all that different. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, 
yeah, I mean, look, we keep saying this, but the Mets are a good team. And everybody should go to AmazingAvenue.com right now and read the piece by Dave C. and Thomas Henderson about how the Mets are good. We should enjoy this. It's a very refreshing piece that I have not seen. I have not seen a lot of people writing things like that on the Mets internet. And I'm glad we were the ones to have to publish it because it's a great piece. And it certainly is, uh, it represents the way I feel pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's been plenty uh, out there of, um, I don't know, expecting things that happened to the Mets in the past to happen again now. And I think sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that Francisco Lindor and Max Scherzer are on this team. And I know neither one was on the all-star game roster, but both had justifiable cases to be there in my opinion. And they're both uh, significant players who were not even, I don't know, considered you'd be laughed at for bringing them up as potential fits for the Mets just a few years ago. Uh, yes. Just just two years ago, honestly. Uh, I never, when, when Scherzer was in uh, Washington and, I, you know, pitching as well as he had pitched and all that, it never, ever crossed my mind that, oh, this guy could be on the Mets when that right. contract <laughs> runs out. Like, not in a million years would you expect that. So um, I think we have to remember those things. And that you know, it's worth acknowledging that the uh, the news, the most recent update on Jacob Degrom was that he had some mild shoulder soreness after um, you know the last time he threw and his uh, simulated game. I think it is that they were going to have him throw either yesterday or today. Is going to be tomorrow, Thursday, uh, instead. And obviously, I get it. You don't want to hear any thing other than, hey, he feels amazing and everything's exactly on schedule. But um, like all baseball news and, you know, anything else, really, I'd like to just wait until there's an actual update. Uh, Hey, he, he threw on Thursday and went fine. He's going to pitch for the Mets on this day or okay he didn't throw on thursday or it didn't go fine uh and now he's being shut down like i need like that level of update to react too strongly to it and i get assuming the worst uh, because it's been a year since he pitched in a major league game so i i understand that i'm just not ready to uh i don't know jump to any conclusions yet no i i definitely understand that uh you know Part of the issue is that it's been, I mean, you, you said DeGrom hasn't pitched in a year, but it seems like DeGrom has just been, you know, for a guy who was healthy for most of his early major league career, it feels like he's been a little bit snake bit the last couple of years. And so I understand that. It's also the player that we have been waiting for a return from with bated breath this entire time. And I think for a lot of us, even during, and, and not, not that this season had a lot of dark days as it really hasn't, but I think for all of us, we have been saying things like, well, when DeGrom comes back, X, Y, Z. I, mean, I know I've been saying that stuff, right? That's, that is absolutely how I felt about this season at points, you know? And so I think just that he represents more than just this season. He represents more than just 
the one player, he sort of represents the hope and future of the franchise. And that I know that sounds hyperbolic, but I, I, I legitimately think right now people feel like if he doesn't come back when we think he will, as strong as we hoped he will, that puts a pretty big uh that 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 could change people's thoughts about the second half pretty considerably yeah yeah, yeah no and, and, and i've i've commented on this uh in a in a sort of mets morning news kind of way <laughs> just references to things uh in just one sentence but it does annoy me that there's an obsession of finding a way to add negativity to the situation with big things that happen with the Mets. So when DeGrom's updates were all on track and good so far in the rehab uh, work that he's doing to, you know, to get back, there were multiple pieces and tweets from local or national baseball writers uh, speculating on what DeGrom was going to do at the end of the year with his contract. And, you know, oh, is he still going to opt out? And here's the teams he might sign with. And I hate that in sports. Uh, if, if the team is really bad, then, of course, we've done it a bunch. There have been times we've written about offseason needs in July. Right. But they're not. Like, you just It just doesn't matter right now. It's, it's like the ultimate in just trying to tap into knowing that there's this anxiety among a lot of Mets fans that, Oh, the other shoe's going to drop and something's going to go wrong. So it's, if DeGrom's healthy, it's, he's going to leave. And then if there's even the slightest bit of a setback, Oh, he's never even going to come back. Um, It's just unnecessary. I I think after decades of being conditioned to uh, expect certain things out of the team, as Mets fans, we, we can get to those points of negativity on our own. We don't need very fair. We don't need the extra uh, fuel thrown in, in on the fire. But uh, yeah, let's hope he does his throwing tomorrow. Everything's good, and we're still near seeing him back. The I, and by no means is it an excuse. It, but the Mets have gotten here without him like that that is remarkable you know yes it is if if there's a setback that hey he's not going to pitch in a major league game in july then i think you should realistically change your approach to the trade deadline Um, you're not going to find a degrom replacement but i would try to account for it if you think that there is a chance that uh that it won't go well the rest of the season but until that actually happens, I'm going to assume that we actually get to see him pitch in, in a Mets uniform. I want to be right there with you, and I think I am, but I just also I feel like there's this um, there's this thing that happens to, to players, but especially pitchers, where injuries just start to cascade and minor things become major, and then when you're rehabbing the major thing, another minor thing pops up, and I'm not saying that's what's happening with DeGrom. However, we've been down this road. I mean, especially with some of our um, more marquee pitchers, you know, over the last 15 or 20 years, you know, it happened with Pedro. It happened with Johan. 
uh, you know, these are just the things that that happen when a pitcher starts to break down. I don't think Degrom is there, but it's certainly giving me PTSD to when we've had pitchers in that position before. And so I, I understand the anxiety of the fans. I truly do. But I think there's a difference between being anxious about something and making something a foregone conclusion. And as we know, uh, Mets fans, uh, Panic City, as Sandy Alderson once described us, you know, we we tend to do that pretty pretty well on our own, right? And like you said, let's just wait for something official before we really get upset. And also, I think a lot of people feel like if there's a setback, it's the end of the season for him. He's not coming back at all. And I feel like right. that is not at all what the that is not a realistic prognosis. It could be a two week setback. It could be a two day setback. It, it could be the end of the season. Look, I I am not a soothsayer. I don't know these things. But let's just pump the brakes here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and <clears throat> the last time we were optimistic about a ace level pitcher for the Mets with Max Scherzer. Uh, we weren't 100 percent right. He did miss some time, but he got back a hell of a lot faster than anybody expected. You know, so. that is true. That is true. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Whatever powers we may have on on this podcast, hopefully we're uh, using the right ones. <laughs> I will never believe that just because I know how things work. But you know, let's, we, let's... we should tell people we 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 had an idea. Maybe I don't know. It might be too much to make it an official segment, but uh, like we should just shit talk a player every right. week. Uh, you just in, call it like the, yeah. re- the reverse jinx or something, right? Where we just, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we say that bum Degrom, he'll never come back. <laughs> <laughs> just say that, and then he comes out, lights blaze, you know, guns blazing, lights. The, the out. only thing Jacob Degrom will ever hear from this show, somebody makes a soundbite of Ex- that. <laughs> exactly, me saying that. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh boy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so uh, this is this is Mets related, but just sort of more baseball related. Chris, what's your relationship to the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game? Uh, the Home Run Derby is the greatest event on the planet when Pete Alonso is winning it, and when he isn't, I shut it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I think that MLB has definitely reinvigorated it with the tournament style of it, uh, and I think people need to acknowledge that the, the first time Alonso won it and – uh, this year when Juan Soto won it. Oh, I, I have another thought on that too. I'm glad he brought that topic up, but specifically with the Derby, uh, I think we all as baseball fans are like, Hey, this format is great. But if we agree on that, you can't get to the final round and be like, Oh, well, if you add up all the home runs, this guy hit more home runs than this guy. Like, Nope. Like, Nope. That, that's not the format. The format is right. what it is. 
either the format made it like a whole uh, like new exciting event that we all enjoy, which I think is the case, or you want the old format and and this new format it isn't any good. But if you want it to be fun like this, um, I think this is the way to go. And and sometimes tournaments just go that way, like the luck of the draw. Julio uh, Rodriguez was just on fire in the first two rounds. And Pete Alonso, I think, would have beaten everybody else in every other round. But, hey, that's the format. That's right. the way it goes. And then I've noticed on how ESPN shows it to us. It's like, I don't know, home runs are majestic, especially in, in the Derby. A lot of them are, you know, high arc, just beautiful home runs to watch. And uh, we get like a super tight half screen zoomed in on the hitter taking the swing. And then maybe you see most of the home runs actually go over the fence somewhere. Um, you know, I would love to watch it from uh, some vantage point that I don't know, put, put the either just like a zoomed out angle from the first or third baseline based on the handedness of the hitter. Mm-hmm. And just like, let's just watch it because you think, I mean, I went to the Home Run Derby at City Field. Uh, so I've, I've seen that in, in real life. But really, I, I think back to like, I went to Fenway Park a ton as a kid. And the A's would come into town. And you had, you know, uh, McGuire just putting on a show. Hitting ball after ball over the Green Monster. And it was nice to watch it where it's just, it, you, you don't need to be up in anybody's face. It's just, I just want to zoom out and, and just see it. See the whole, you know, start to finish of where all these baseballs are going by yeah. these, you know, excellent players. So uh, I think the format is really good. I, I wish ESPN would change the way they showed it to us. And, and whatever, they can do the on-field stuff, the announcers. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. I just want to see more of it. You know what angle I think might be kind of fun? Is the, like... Um the when you're batting in a baseball video game angle yeah like be behind the batter but far enough back that you can watch the arc of the ball from there maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe that's an angle to experiment with yeah no and and i mean as things move more and more into streaming apps um just giving people options like there's no reason that there couldn't be an option to say hey i just want the baseline or behind the plate camera no no anything else i just want one view of this right um, you know there's no reason that there can't be a feed like that but but yeah uh, i was i was bummed for alonzo that he didn't win just because being the first person to win three of them in a row would have been cool and um he he takes the event seriously and he takes it more serious than anybody else on the planet does i think yeah, yeah, but hey, I respect it. That that's uh, whatever your approach is to it is fine with me. And uh, you know, he's never a guy that's like, oh man, he's so serious, he's not enjoying it. Uh, right, right. So, yeah, I I appreciate all of that. Um, and yeah, so that's that's where I am on that. My other thought related to it was. Uh, when Juan Soto won it and whole swaths of, you know, Mets Twitter were, uh, oh, a Met won it anyway. A future Met won it and all this stuff. And 
we could spend a whole podcast talking about trading for Juan Soto as, as a hypothetical. Uh, obviously, he's a fantastic player, one of the best hitters out there, and I'd love for that to happen. But I wish our progression of like picking up things from Yankee fans started with a tiny bit of confidence about the first place team that's actually playing baseball on the field before <laughs> we got to the, oh, everybody's a future Met. Part. Like that's not the party Yankee fan in my want. Like I, I want the Mets to go after those players, but I don't want to say the same shit that they've said for years. Like, oh, you know, he's going to be a Met anyway. Uh, sure. Obviously I hope every great player is a Met, but um, yeah, like even Howie Rose tweeted about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> I, I don't want to be crankier than Howie Rose, but like. Howie has absolutely show, been Cohen pilled. Like he is. I think he really buys into Steve Cohen essentially becoming uh, like the new Steinbrenner in terms of spending. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be the case. I hope it's, I mean, I hope, I hope that Cohen does what he needs to do in the seasons that it needs to be done. But that's not the same as being, that's not the same as becoming the Yankees and signing every free agent that's out there. But you know that. And I know that. Um, so the home run derby is one of my favorite nights of the baseball year, even though I know it is like dumb guy shit. As I said to my brother, like look, the ball went far, right? Like it's just like it's a, it's not exactly the most strategic or intellectually stimulating part of baseball. But I am of the age where I grew up a huge Ken Griffey Jr. fan. And so watching Griff in those home run derbies is like one of my most uh, prized baseball memories and I just think it's it's a fun event when it's done properly. And I think that this new format is really good. I think it makes that it makes a ton of sense for everyone involved. You know, it's just I mean, the fact that Pujols made it past the first round is insane. And that's only really possible <laughs> because of this format. And it was right. a super cool moment. Right. Like yeah. That's that's a that's an absolutely cool moment that I'm glad we as baseball fans got to see and that would never have happened in the older format. Right. Um so uh you know it's a uh it's a good thing that the that the that the the format is is this way. It's a good thing that everything went this way and I think the home run derby is a lot of fun. This is the one thing that has improved under Rob Manfred. Yeah. yeah. Literally the one. Yep. <laughs> Uh, he had some quotes yesterday. I don't know if you saw some of his quotes yesterday saying that minor leaguers were paid a living wage. Right. Yeah. No, the, uh, the notion, the premise, whatever it was, he dismissed the whatever word he used that they were not paid a living wage. And yeah, there's still, there's still work to be done. I know minor leaguers, um, past minor leaguers got a fairly significant settlement uh, out of the league over these issues recently and some of the outcomes of that may affect in a positive way, the treatment of minor leaguers moving forward. Uh, you know, I think it's important to not just stop at, Oh, they, the teams have to give them housing, which uh, it, like th- there's a huge difference between, Hey, you got to earn it. It's really hard to make it to the major leagues, even if you have perfect conditions. Yes. So you still have to earn it. You just don't have to be treated like shit along the way. And like, even on, even on a 
an above average salary, if you had to be moved by your job potentially multiple times in a year and had to sign leases on places to live, how the hell would you pull that off? Right? Like <laughs> I couldn't like no, right. And nobody could. And then these guys are not only making like awful money, but they were bounced around and, uh, you know, in a spot, Trevor May tweeted yesterday, that there was a, a point in his minor league career that he bought two sheets to uh, make a, you know, to make a wall for his room in, uh, in the living room. Um, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Like just a basic, like, Hey, you have your own bed, your own room. Uh, and, and you, you know, can afford to eat decently, uh, you know, nutritious food. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why collectively owners were just like, okay with that. I think because they didn't see it as an opportunity to make money. I mean, that, that's the that's, obvious yeah. answer. You've, you've solved the riddle, my friend, but, uh. <laughs> but it is an opportunity to make money. Like you might be able to turn some of these guys into somebody who sells a ton of merch for you, you know? Right. And tickets and wins games. That that just isn't that just isn't profitable enough for them, right? To to fix the whole system, you would need a much higher percentage of people to become those universal stars. Oh wait, no, that's entirely wrong. It's really cheap to fix the system. Sorry, I I had to put on some bullshit (laughs) there for a second because it, it is it is actually relatively cheap to fix the system, and fuck the owners now and forever. Um. It's time for music picks, Chris. I was going to give my all-star game thoughts, but you have a hard out, so let's do some music picks here. Yeah, what is yeah, your music no, pick I, of the week? Uh, well, <laughs> only all-star game thought. Would have been nice to see Edwin Diaz pitching it, but with that, uh, and more of the Mets in general. But anyway, uh, back in May, which is a few months ago, or yeah, a couple months ago now, um, at Waking Windows in Vermont, uh, one of the bands that we saw for the first time is a band called Habibi, uh, all women making like just chill, good music. Uh, and their, their most recent record came out in 2020. It's called Anywhere But Here. Uh, it's got a couple songs on it that I really like. Uh, Hate Everyone But You, Angel Eyes, Bad News, and, and really just a good listen from start to finish. Uh, they had not really popped up on my radar. Uh, it had been several years that the first album came out in 2014. Uh, and just, you know, I didn't cross paths with that music at, at that time. Uh, so I'm sure the set that we saw in May had songs from both. Uh, but yeah, this, this record is just really good. Um, if you have been listening to all of our music recs over the course of the podcast, you may remember the band La Luz, also an all women band. Um, and these two bands had done like a split seven inch at some point in between Habibi's first and second records. And, uh, you know, they're, they're similar, but they don't, they don't sound exactly the same by any means. So, uh, fun to see live and, uh, and definitely enjoying this record. And I think it's a, you know, it's good summer music. So anywhere, but here by Habibi. Very cool. Uh, my one all-star game thought is it was more fun before interleague play. 
That's what I'll start getting thought. Um, yeah, and with the other uniforms. Okay, I'll, I'll stop. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, this is our old cranky hour. This is our old man yells a cloud hour. Uh, so my pick is something I had not thought about in a very, very long time. Somebody on Twitter I saw in passing tweeted about the TV show Oddville MTV. Do you remember the show, Chris? I can't say I do. What? Uh... It was basically like a combination of a talk show and like a freak show. They'd have people out like eating glass and stuff. It was like it, it was like a circus sideshow type thing on MTV in the mid to late 90s, but they always had really interesting bands playing on it. And so I just did a little like search for uh, bands who played on Oddville MTV and there's like a guy that my voice has played, Ween played, sort of your, who you'd expect bands that were on 120 minutes a lot played the show. But there was a band called Skeleton Key and I had this visceral flashback to seeing them on Oddville MTV in it turns out, I believe in 1997, and I hadn't thought about Skeleton Keys since then. So I, I did a deep dive. Their, their, their 90s stuff is not on streaming platforms. It is on YouTube. And their their record um, that was from, I believe it's 1997. Yes, it's called Fantastic Spikes Through Balloon. And I looked it up, and it is really, really great and fun. There is some, like, there's some great bass playing on it, some really angular guitar. But my favorite part is that they had... It was bass, guitar, and drums, and they had somebody playing what they called junk percussion, which is literally like just pieces of random stuff that gets played. And so the, the drummer is keeping like a solid beat, and then the junk percussionist is doing like interesting things that are syncopated off of that. It's just a really unusual sound I've never really heard in that way before. And um, the the record is is really interesting and really good. And it, it was a nice reminder of like, oh, yeah, there was a time even in the sort of corporate MTV days where you could see a really weird band on a national platform, not at like three in the morning. You know, it was just, it was just a cool reminder of, of sort of what used to be. And uh, yeah, it's a record. I, I'm, I'm going to try and track down a copy for myself because you know, YouTube is like is my least favorite way to listen to music because ads and, you know, whatnot. So I got to find a co copy for myself elsewhere. But yeah. Fantastic Spikes Through Balloon by Skeleton Key, a, a very odd record from Oddville MTV on uh, on my nostalgic brain trip I went on this week. Nice. Yeah. And that does it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Go to AmazingAvenue.com for all your Mets-related news. Find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Chris is on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Nizanab. And until next time, let's go Mets.